0: This episode, is dedicated to Lane, for becoming our newest Southpaw supporter, and helping to make this project possible.
1: hello everyone and welcome to Pride Never die um we're in the first episode of the new year and I feel like it's been forever since I've recorded um and here today with me to talk about a little bit of what they do in personal training and exercise as a queer individual working mostly within the queer community and a little bit about self care um I have Stevie
2: hi <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um just want to start by giving you a little bit of time to introduce yourself, um, what it is you do.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Stevie. I use she, they pronouns. Um, I'm based in Oakland, California, although I'm originally from the UK. And I am a strength coach, a powerlifting coach, an Olympic weightlifting coach, and I am an Olympic style weightlifter myself as well. And I mostly serve the queer community, um, both in Oakland, and I do a lot of online coaching as well.
1: How long have you been coaching other people?
2: Um, at least four years. I kind of lose track. I feel like the pandemic has just like made my timeline squiffy and nothing really makes sense anymore, but I started coaching um, more or less right after I moved to the U.S. So yeah, four years.
1: Okay. And how long were you um, training in weightlifting and stuff yourself before coaching?
2: I actually, I came into strength coaching initially because I was a runner and I kept injuring myself. So I started um, going to the gym a couple of times a week. I was like doing a lot of like self-teaching, like looking things up on Reddit, watching YouTube videos. And the more I did it, the better my running got. But also the more I was like, oh, why, why am I running when (laughs) I could be inside picking up heavy things? This is way more fun. So I just kind of gradually started moving towards weight training Um, and then it was after I moved to the U S that I got into powerlifting and after about 18 months powerlifting, I was like, actually I'm ready for something like the next challenge. And that's when I started Olympic weightlifting, which was about end of 2019. So I've been coaching like general strength and fitness, um, for a little bit longer. And then more recently added on the weightlifting.
1: And how do you feel like, um, the coaching and everything within the queer community, how has that been for you? um, do you find that you enjoy doing that more like as a queer individual yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm able to relate to all of my clients. I become such great friends with so many of my clients. I I just feel really good about being able to offer these services to a community that like I'm a part of, so I can see what is needed in this community and I can see better how to help people because I'm like on the inside. So, it feels really good in that way and also has the and I'm very fortunate to be self employed so I get to choose who I work with and that's like a huge 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 privilege I wasn't in that position for a long time and I had a lot of like negative experiences with clients and now that i'm in this position where I can choose who I work with, that basically never happens um the only clients I've had to fire were men and now I can choose not to work with men if I don't want to and that's really that feels really good
1: <laughs> I bet that is yeah definitely an advantage over um being employed by someone else yes i also was interested in a little bit of what you talked there and how you began getting more interested in weightlifting and strength training um being that you kind of were treating your own injuries and things from being a runner and i was interested in that because i also want to talk to you today about things like self-care which is you know caring for yourself that you can continue caring for others and I just want to talk about how much of also with your clients, how many of them are coming in wanting to get stronger because of injuries they've sustained, either in athletics, in a workplace and things like that?
2: I would say that I don't work with too many people with like specific injuries, but a lot of people come to me and they're experiencing like small annoying things like a lot of lower back pain and especially Post-pandemic, you know, a lot of people, their activity level has massively decreased. A lot of people are spending a lot more time at desks and sitting down than they used to. So I'm seeing like kind of a trend, you know, a lot of people are going through the same sort of things. I wouldn't say that injury, like recovery or like focusing on that is like my forte per se, but one thing that I am really into is always offering modifications So I do a lot of work, um, to make sure that my practice is size inclusive and fat positive. So I've done courses on, um, just various ways to like modify things. So if I do have somebody who has some kind of limitation or an injury, or if they're in a larger body, or if they're disabled, like I'm able to provide as many different options so that they can still get that type of movement in.
1: I think that's really one of the most important things that you can provide, um, to any community really is being able to be there and be able to offer modifications for people that are still even possibly on the fringes of that niche community.
2: Absolutely. I think one of the markers of a good coach is their ability to make whatever it is they're coaching accessible to whoever it is they're coaching. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. And coaching martial arts, that's something that I always want to be able to do is make sure that anyone who comes in the door can participate. Um, And, you know, it might take time to work on finding what that is, but if they're willing to work on it with me, I'm willing to take the time to make it work for them.
2: Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably not a common attitude within martial arts from my limited experience.
1: I feel like it can be um, in some circles, but it certainly isn't in the larger community at whole. Yeah. Which I would even say, I feel like that's probably something that's similar between just martial arts and um, strength training and personal fitness there's definitely a larger structure where in the mainstream, it's not as usual to see modifications for people going through disability. Um, you know, not as much of the fat positive training.
2: Yeah, you're, you're right. I think, uh, that kind of toxic masculinity, like broy sort of culture is, is coming to mind. I see that both in lifting and like my understanding of mainstream martial arts, which I'm not a martial artist, I know very little. But as like an outsider looking in, like that's the impression I get. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's exciting to talk to you because you're doing something <laughs>
1: different, right? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. This and Southpaw has been a great help for me and for a lot of people. Just having any sort of community to build around that's not completely toxic.
2: Yeah, it's really important to find community around the thing that you do whether that's a sport or exercise or whatever it is it's it can be a real game changer
0: what has
1: your experience been like um building community around just like your clientele and your weightlifting and just that sort of part of your life
2: i would say on the whole it's been pretty great when i first moved out here i fell very quickly into a vegan gym community because i've been vegan for quite a long time and that initially it was a very, very positive experience. It did not end well. Um the leadership of that gym were sorely lacking and there was a lot of issues that kind of came to a a very public and uh that's what I'm looking for. They just they, they came to a head pretty dramatically. <laughs> um so I kind of got a little bit burnt and I've been sort of hesitant about joining a new community because of this experience. I've kind of like dipped my toe in and just like, oh I don't know. But instead, I've kind of been able to create my own little community. And I do mostly one-on-one training. It's not like I'm running a gym where people are coming and going all the time and I'm seeing a bunch of people. I see the same like 10 to 15 people every week, usually for long periods of time. But just like through my Instagram and through like knowing a lot of similar people who I bring together in like social events sometimes, it's just I feel like I've created my own little bubble of anti-diet, like LGBT, (laughs) <laughs> really awesome people yeah i feel i feel very happy with my little community
1: <laughs> good yeah i think that's something that you'll often see is that if you start taking the steps to make more space for a community like that to exist um people will just kind of naturally be drawn to it because if you're looking for something like that and you're willing to put in the work for it there are going to be other people that were wishing it was there as well
2: yeah i like that and i i kind of I don't know I like being in some ways I feel I'm a I'm a very extroverted person I tend to like have a lot of friends um that's something that I I just really enjoy meeting new people and creating those relationships and I I sometimes I feel like I'm at this point where I I know so many people and I can like if one of my friends is like oh I really need this I'm like oh I know someone who can help you with that and like I love being able to like foster community even within my community and like bring different people together. It's something I really enjoy.
0: I mm-hmm.
1: think that's one of the best things about being someone that's trying to make something or you know provide a service like that um, is getting to see just kind of that extra benefit of your work that you might not have anticipated when you started. Mm-hmm. To come back to a little bit about um, some of the things involving self care that um, you and I had talked about before um, this interview. Something I was really interested in is different ways that you, as a coach, motivate yourself to be there to motivate other people.
2: Hmm, That's a good question. Sometimes I find when I'm lacking in motivation, it's easier to gas somebody else up and cater to their needs and see what, you know, how I can help them get going. And that in turn sort of gets the ball rolling for me a little bit too. Um, so I think there's a little bit of just like, that's just the kind of person that I am, like helping other people in that way, gives me the energy that I need. Um, but I think also this last year or so, especially since going self-employed, I've been much better about my boundaries. And so I find that I get into situations where I just don't have the energy that I wish I had for a client. I don't get into those situations very often anymore because I have really strict boundaries about like when I'm working, when I'm not working. Um, and when I'm not working, I am generally able to turn off from work. I have, you know, it's kind of tough when you work from home and you run your own business and it's kind of your whole life. And like your hobby is also your business. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, but I've worked really hard on on those particular boundaries and I feel like they are really great for my mental health, which in turn is really great for my ability to have that energy and hold space with people further along the line. You know, it's kind of like a pay it forward system. I pay myself by giving myself a three day weekend. And then I have more energy for the people in my life that I care about.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think like you talked about having that sort of personality already where it's kind of easier to motivate others when you're not feeling as motivated yourself kind of does kind of help kind of build like a natural coach in you. And then definitely being able to like have firm boundaries about your work life, about what you're doing, and be able to kind of give yourself that recharge time is, I imagine, just invaluable in being there to coach other people.
2: Yeah, it really is, especially coming from where I was before the pandemic, where I was working, I was coaching for a gym, I was trying to run my own business, and I was also working at a coffee shop like 20 plus hours a week. So I was just like juggling so much. And I didn't have the option of if I had someone approach me about training, I didn't have the option of saying no, because I just like needed the money. I needed the experience. So it's, it's definitely a nice change. And I think having been in that situation where I basically felt like I couldn't have boundaries and now being in the situation where I can, like those boundaries feel even more important to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's never a bad thing to be able to reinforce your boundaries because like you were saying it's just being able to reinforce those boundaries allows you to have a better mental health uh, experience overall and a better foundation to be there for people
0: a note to our loyal listeners if you love the southpaw project please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on patreon This will give you access to exclusive bonus content, as well as our private chat group on Discord. Show your Southpaw solidarity by supporting us at Patreon.com/slash/SouthpawPod.
1: With having people that aren't really interested in training for competition, what are ways that you help those people um, maintain motivated? Um, I feel like it's very important to have things that are outside of competition and things like that that can motivate you but i'm curious as to what your like system is for helping people like that like find motivation
2: yeah i mean it depends a lot on the person and i think there's a lot of um a lot of skill in just being able to meet someone new and like kind of figure out okay like does this person need like a weight goal to focus on and when i say weight goal i'm talking about weight on the bar um i don't do any any body weight stuff um, or yeah, are they coming to me because they have, um, another sport that they do. I work with a lot of climbers and hikers. And at one point I was training several roller derby, roller derby skaters. That word always trips me up because I grew up in the UK and there's a town called Derby, but it's spelled Derby. And every time I see that word, I'm like,
0: which one is it? Is Derby <laughs> or
2: Derby? And then I screw it up anyway. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I should have asked earlier. Yeah, you're fine. Okay, great.
1: <laughs> <Let's>
2: get another <laughs> um okay sorry what was I saying oh yeah um I used to oh yeah I've worked with several like roller derby athletes and so I really like working with people who have their other thing that they do because then it's so easy to be like oh how did you feel at training this week and like they see and they feel the difference generally very quickly and so that is just really good for for motivating people And even the people who don't have anything that they do outside a lot of the time, um, it's easy to kind of find something that they're excited about. So if they start off and they're just like really stoked about squats and they're having a really great time, it's like, well, how about we aim for this number on your back squat? And that can be like a really good driver for some people. Um, Other people just prefer to go on how they feel. So I do a lot of Ask a lot of questions. I think sometimes I get sick of hearing myself ask the same questions. <laughs> I wonder how my clients feel. I think it'd be funny if they all got together and just like teased me for asking the same like five
0: questions <laughs> over again.
2: But I yeah, I like to ask a lot of questions. I like to do a, a lot of check-ins, both like when someone first shows up, like how is your body feeling today, and usually those kind of things sort of give me the the kind of info that I need to help figure out what is gonna support this person best you know if they come in they're excited to like lift some heavy shit then like okay cool maybe we need a deadlift goal you know or maybe we start talking about a powerlifting competition or if they come in and they had like a really stressful day and maybe the goal is to when they're leaving be like hey how are you feeling now and they're like oh I feel great you know sometimes that's the goal
1: and then something else I was interested in as as a coach, have you ever had any um, clients or anything that you've had to almost kind of pull back um, in a way?
2: I would say that those are the rarer types in just the niche that I work with, the types of people I train. A lot of the time I work with people who need someone to like have their back. Um, occasionally I meet people who are just like super enthusiastic and they want to go, go, go. And there's a lot of kind of remind us gentle reminders that like you have to earn heavy weights you know You, you can't just like jump into it that's how injuries happen um those are the people who get all of my like okay we're doing tempo squats today all right we're doing pause squats today you know those are the people who get all of the really tough like speed like opposite of speed work like the slow stuff to try and kind of um help them get out the habit of going too fast yeah, a lot of reminders and just educating my goal when I work with clients is never that they're going to work with me forever. It's always that I'm going to give them the information that they need to do the things that they want to do to feel good. And then hopefully help them feel confident enough in going to do that too.
1: Yeah. I think that's something that's a little bit more common, um, training with different, specifically like different pro fighters as, um, they'd like to have kind of a tendency to want to, work so hard that they'll just kind of work like straight through a brick wall if they could
2: yeah i've seen that attitude in people i haven't worked with too many fighters um i worked with somebody who was in the military He, he had a similar kind of attitude of like very much like no pain no gain like i i do not endorse that at all and in fact i we'll have serious conversations with anyone I'm working with who I think is pushing through too much or like trying to do too much. I've, I have had that conversation, um, a different client who is someone I've worked with for a long time, but he comes to mind. There was a time when I had to be like, Hey, you like, you need to slow down. Like, this is my professional opinion. You pay me to be here to remind you of this shit. Like you're going to hurt yourself. And like, sometimes that can be a really humbling experience, but that's like also part of why people hire a coach is to have that outside set of eyes like I have a coach sometimes my coach tells me to go down and wait you know or like back off a little bit and it's just part of the experience
1: yeah absolutely I think definitely just as people we all kind of have times where we might just be doing too much in general
2: oh yeah I mean we're constantly pushed to do too much in every aspect of our life like we're just scroll Instagram and everybody's lifting heavier than you and better than you. And so there's always this like, I mean, maybe that's just my Instagram feed, but <laughs> there's always this kind of like external pressure to like, be better, push harder, grind more, like do the most all the time. And I like to, a lot of, sometimes I post on Instagram and I'll post my lifts and be like, I half-assed it today. Or like, I skipped all my accessories today and I sometimes wonder if people follow me and are like, does this bitch ever actually do her full workout or like, is she <laughs> like, like always putting it in? But, um, I like to try and be really real that like, you're not going to push super fucking hard all the time and you're not supposed to push really hard all the time. And there's lots of very good, valid reasons why you should sometimes skip your accessories or like, you know, don't push the intensity.
1: Absolutely. And I also want to go back, because you mentioned there of social media um, involving more of like self-care and taking just a little bit more care of yourself and your mental health. Um, I know we have had conversations about how hard it can be feeling like part of your job is to post on social media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going (laughs) to ask um, if you have any different techniques and ways that you've been able to extend your boundaries that you have for your clients into your social media as well.
2: Hmm, I think... I got really into, I did like, you know, some business courses and like studying and I got really into this mindset of like, I have to be posting consistently and just like obsessed with this, this idea of consistency. And I was really good about it for a while. I was like, you know, posting pretty much all the time on schedule, like churning out the content machine. It was working. My followers was going up, you know, people were reaching out about coaching but I just got to the point where I was just like, I just can't be bothered anymore. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really exhausting. It's really tiring. Um, And so I'm kind of taking a little bit of a, I'm still on social media. I still post to my stories. I still like use messenger and like chat with people, but I'm kind of taking a little bit of a a break from social media. And it's interesting to see that I'm, I mean, through posting on my stories, still, I'm still like making all of the same connections And I'm not having those like anxiety spikes that I used to have. Like if I posted something that was like a little bit controversial, I'm like always worried that like, you know, someone's going to be in my comments like complaining about my armpit hair or like, (laughs) you know, or or telling me that my lifts are bad or something. So there's none of that like anxiety anymore, which has been pretty good for my mental health. And I honestly, I feel like I have so much more time in the day when I'm not making content. I so much more time in the day. I mean, it would take up hours of my week and I would like to get to a point where I can start posting again. But I also think I need to stop trying to like post to somebody else's schedule like five fucking times a week. Like, geez, no. Seven even. Five was the compromise with this business coach I talked to. She was like seven days a week. I was like, I I can't, I can't, I can't. Sunday's Sundays the Lord's day, okay?
1: (laughs) Not for posting.
2: (laughs) Only thirst straps on some days. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm trying to get to a point where I can kind of come back to creating content with a little bit less urgency. I think that's a, been a big thing for me in a lot of aspects of my life is that I feel this big sense of urgency. A lot of people feel it when they start training too and they start weightlifting. They feel this urgency of like, I have to get to like X number of pounds or I have to be able to like master this lift. And there's no urgency. it's okay to just be like you know this feels really important right now but in the grand scheme of things it's actually not and i can afford to just like take it a little bit slower so i've been trying to do that and that's nice
1: yeah it sounds nice i'm i can't imagine posting seven days a week at all on anything ever
2: oh it's so hard i just i ran out of things i talk a lot i'm a very talkative person and even i was like i'm running out of things to talk about
1: (laughs) (laughs) and like i think it's just a good thing to remember too that like if you're trying to match up with an algorithm that an algorithm is inherently just not a person Mm -hmm. and not how a person thinks or operates or what you need to do like you're gonna burn yourself out just trying to keep up with something that isn't a person
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's i can't be the, the algorithm that the mighty shadow of the algorithm I, just, I, I try not to worry about it i used to and be like oh i have to use x like this amount of hashtags and i have to use like this type of hashtags and now i'm just like i don't know hashtag whatever you know i, I just the first five that come to mind then i'm like i'm done that's fine
1: right. <laughs> so, good luck <laughs> perfectly fine amount of hashtags and During the pandemic with all of um, the uptick and everyone being inside and you doing some online training, um, what has that been like for you? Like what's your average kind of work like with someone if they're just doing online only?
2: So during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of Zoom classes, which I really enjoyed. And um, it was a really great way to stay connected to my community. In the end, I started, I stopped doing them in the summer of last year, because as the vaccines rolled out, less people were interested in doing Zoom stuff. A lot of people were pretty burned out on it, including myself. And, you know, if you have like two pairs of dumbbells at home, there's only so many things that you can do with them before, like for a lot of people, it's like, okay, like I would like to spice this up a little bit now. So I stopped doing the Zoom classes and I do still have clients that I see on Zoom, but mostly they're folks who are international. So I have a couple of British people and um people with chronic illnesses or disabilities who might need the flexibility between like in person and online that's something that i do zoom for um but my online coaching i describe it as solo but supported it involves very little time on zoom generally speaking i'm providing the programming which is delivered through an app on my client's phone and then they follow it, they do it on whatever day works for them, whatever time works for them. They don't have to work around my schedule. They can kind of have flexibility there. I have my clients record videos of them doing movements. So whether that is a back squat in your gym or a goblet squat in your garage or like a bodyweight squat or wherever you're at. And then they upload it and a couple of times a week, I go in and I watch every of these workouts and I give them feedback and send them little videos. So it's very similar to like having that personal training experience. <laughs> but it's just a little bit more flexible for scheduling and time. Okay.
1: Yeah. That seems like a very helpful way to run that.
2: Yeah. And it's been a little tough with gyms opening and closing because some people um, start working with me because they really want to get into barbell lifting and then their gym will close down and we have to like pivot. And it's like, okay, well now we're doing a dumbbell program. Oh, you don't have dumbbells. Okay. Now we're doing a bodyweight and bands program. (laughs) So there's been a lot of like, pivoting very quickly um having to adjust having to get really creative that's one of the best things about the pandemic in my experience it's been like okay we need to do some kind of pressing movement what is the heaviest thing you can hold safely with one hand to like not drop it (laughs) on your head like we've had like wine bottles uh cast iron skillet like anything (laughs) you know anything that you can keep a sturdy grip on that's not going to put a hole in your ceiling (laughs) it's it's been really fun to um Kind of put like play back into strength training in a way you know it gets sillier uh, when you're chasing your dog down because you need to do your next set of squats mm-hmm. and you need <laughs> a 35 pound weight and that's your dog so <laughs> it's been very fun
1: good yeah that that's very funny it just reminds me of like being i think a teenager and having my grandpa tell me that i should do curls with uh, milk gallons that's I
2: used to do. I used to work at Starbucks, and I my friends would tease me, but I would do that.
1: Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's not.
2: Yeah, there's so a heavy gallons. I mean, mostly I would do it like if you know, like a cute girl came into the lobby, and I was just like, okay, I'll just got to get a few curls in, make sure my t shirt seems tight.
1: Yeah, and counting really loudly, like at very high numbers. <laughs>
2: i also like to do the presses if i was like taking milk from the back into the front and make sure to get a few like shoulder presses in on the way my coworkers thought i was very obnoxious but <laughs> it, it was fun for me
1: yeah and i think sometimes i can be a little bit of fun in being that obnoxious person for someone else like
2: i agree i agree i always aspire to be the broiest person in the room but i think i can get away with it because i'm five foot three and have bright pink hair
1: mm, it does help <laughs> it makes it more charming than broey
2: that's what I'm going for. <laughs> a charming bro. Yeah. Someone, uh, my, my partner once described me as a bro princess, and I was like, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly right. Yep.
1: It's a very good aesthetic. <laughs> I don't know why Disney hasn't already capitalized on this.
2: Well, if they do, they're going to owe me some royalties.
1: That's true. <laughs> How do you think um, being a coach for other people has affected your own experience training?
2: I'm much nicer to myself now that I have more experience working with other people. My therapist asks me on almost a weekly basis, and how would you talk to a client who's dealing with that problem? And on an almost weekly basis, I glare at her and I'm just like, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it's a good question and it's one I do ask myself a lot. And I notice wow. that I have a lot more compassion for myself as an athlete and as a person Since working with more people, you know, it's when I was less experienced and newer to fitness, it was very easy to see all of these like Instagram athletes and kind of put them up on a pedestal and compare myself to them and like I don't see them taking days off and they're doing, you know, double day workouts and six workouts a week and they're training in two sports and like I need to be doing all of this stuff as well. And through working with more and more people, I see like awesome badass people achieving awesome badass things like all the time and most of them are not doing any like fucking like an intense Instagram fitness person shit so it's been I don't know it's been really reassuring to kind of like experience other people's journeys and see how many similarities there are like one thing I say a lot is that this is often not linear. Like you can be on the best strength program in the world, but you can't control for every factor. And like, at some points, it's going to feel like you're going backwards or that you're stuck. And everybody goes through that. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter what like stage of their lifting journey they're at. It doesn't matter if they're like a competitive weightlifter or if they're just like lifting because they don't want to have low back pain anymore. Like I see that at every level.
1: Yeah, I think that that's also something that I kind of connect with just general advice from training anything. And then also back to like self-care is that feeling of you can, you can end up going back and forth in those places and need to do different things. Like, um, there've definitely been times where I've been doing really well for a while and been able to take care of a bunch of other people because I was in a good spot. And then that might change. and it's not like a personal failure to move backwards into that and to have to take more care of yourself or anything it just is a part of living and the process that we all go through
2: yeah absolutely it's not linear and there's always going to be different seasons and times when you're going to have you're going to have more energy to provide and times when you're going to need someone else to like look after you and i think the more i'm in that role of like helping other people The easier it becomes to also like ask for help myself when I need it too.
1: I definitely agree. I think um, trying to be there to help other people and help them learn through different things has definitely made it easier for me to um, ask for help and just ask for more explanation from things. Um,
2: Mm.
1: Being someone that's like instructing people uh, and taking the time to answer things for them makes it way easier to just kind of get over that anxiety of like will someone think i'm dumb if i have a question because no of course you have questions
2: it makes sense
1: and i also try to remind myself a lot that not only do i deserve the care i give to other people but like we've talked about a little bit before um just receiving that care that you need just in turn allows you to give better care to the people you're trying to care for anyway
2: it totally does I feel like um, Coach Stevie is now like, I don't know how into like like therapy and parts work you are, um, but me and my therapist, we talk a lot about parts. And I feel like Coach Stevie is this like very distinct part that I have. And I I have conversations with her when I'm like, just trying to make a decision. So a situation this happened that this weekend, I told you about this a little bit before, before you talked, but me and my friends, we like to wrestle sometimes. and. None of us are martial artists. We're just like some hot queers who like <laughs> to fight each other. Yeah. Um. So we had a little bit of a wrestling match this weekend, which I won. Um, <laughs> I did lose to one person, but I'm cl- I'm claiming the ultimate victory because the person who beat that person, I also beat them. So I think I won. Um, <laughs> I'm very proud. I'm very competitive. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> um, but so we had a little wrestling competition, and I jacked up my neck. I was not ready for this at all and so for the last like couple of days i have been in too much pain to lift and to train like my sides are really sore my upper back is sore like i feel like i've been hit by a bus and part of me is like get back in the gym like come on you little pussy go lift those weights and then the other part of me like coach tv is like wait wait a second like is this how you would talk to any of your friends or any of your clients who like if they came to you with this the situation no you'd high five them and tell them great fucking job and you're win like go take an epsom salt bath so (laughs) i am able to kind of like coach slash parent myself way better now that i've like really developed that coaching voice that i i have with my clients and now i'm able to like turn it on myself a little bit and so i took two days off and now I can finally look left again, which is awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> underrated ability.
2: <laughs> Truly it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely just really important to get like used to as having that ability to talk to yourself internally and kind of calm yourself down the way that other people that in your life you might talk to them and being able to kind of take that step back from being emotional in a situation.
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who needs a lot of reassurance. I'm a very anxious person. So it's not always feasible for me to like message my weightlifting buddies and be like, Oh, is it okay if I skip my workout today? You know? So it's, it's good to have developed that strong internal voice of being like, Oh, you know, when I'm asking myself, should I skip or should I not have that coach person who can step up and be like, okay, well, let's look at the data here. Like you slept like shit. You feel like shit. You haven't eaten. All you want to do is lay on the couch and smoke weed. Like You're probably not going to have a good workout so why don't you just skip it and that's what i did well i did it today and i felt good
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you love the southpaw project please support us and help us get paid for our labor by financially supporting us on patreon it'll help us supplement the cost of running this project the incredible time and energy we put into it seven days a week and you'll be giving us some breathing room not only to juggle Southpaw with our day jobs, but also to expand Southpaw into other areas. Show your Southpaw solidarity by supporting us at patreon.com slash southpawpod.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also part of it is developing that experience and knowing when you're right, when you're telling yourself that you should rest, and also knowing when that, like when you might just be kind of looking for a way out of things, which I think just that's time will teach you that.
2: Yeah. And I don't necessarily like the idea of like looking for a way out of things. Cause I I know in myself, like when I'm looking for a way out of something, that's because something is wrong. Like whether it's sleep, food, hydration, I'm depressed. I've been inside too much. Like whatever it is, if I'm looking for a way to get out of my training, something's going on and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's, I don't like my workout. Sometimes it's, I don't want to commute to the gym. Like there can be a lot of reasons for that, but I think people are so quick to be like, oh, I'm always trying to get out of this. That means I'm bad. Like I'm lazy or like I suck at this or I'm never going to have the discipline. And it's like, no, like it's, there's probably something else going on. We're often really hard on ourselves and we judge things as like flaws in our character when it's actually Probably a result of our circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think the number one cause of me starting to feel bad and feel like I want to not do something or like feeling like I'm being a lazy person and therefore bad is that I just didn't get enough food that day. Mm. Just for whatever reason, if I've like skipped lunch or if I didn't eat a big enough lunch or I didn't eat a big enough breakfast or whatever. I think that's usually the number one culprit between me feeling like bad and it has nothing to do with me as a person. It's, I just didn't eat.
2: Yeah, I have that one a lot. And I have recovered from an eating disorder and I work with a lot of people who have recovered from eating disorders or who have had struggles with disordered eating. So that is definitely a piece that I come back to a lot. And especially with women and folks who have just been socialized to like try and be small their entire lives. We're just like, constantly pushing off our hunger cues and like constantly finding reasons not to eat or to eat less. And so it's so common when people start eating more and like heal their relationship with food that they actually gain an interest in movement again. Like if you've been restricting and under eating for like most of your adult life, yeah, of course you don't want to fucking do anything. You're exhausted. Like what would you, what energy would you use to go and do this workout you want to do? Like that makes sense. You would struggle that's why I'm a big proponent of intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food. And I don't do any kind of intentional weight loss or any of that kind of work with the people I coach.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big thing is even just in the way that jobs are structured. Um, A lot of my experience with developing bad eating habits and things came from working jobs where even though I was in a kitchen, I was on the clock for 12 hours at a time and with no time to like stop and eat.
2: Oh yeah. I worked in bars and restaurants.
1: Yep. And no, uh, that's exactly what I was gonna say, is that like those jobs and things like that, they kind of bring those unhealthy eating habits out of people who are susceptible to them.
2: Yes, absolutely. I would say some of the worst eating habits I've seen were when I worked in bars and restaurants and the, the people who work in kitchens and It's it's hard because you're working during the time like regular meal times, so it like totally throws you off. And then you're on your feet, you're super active, and it can provide opportunities to skip out on meals if that's what you're trying to do. It's a very difficult industry for folks with food
1: issues. Absolutely. Is there anything else you would like to talk about while I have you here?
2: We could maybe go into like specifics of what of self care and like what self care can look like possibly because i feel like it's now this like umbrella term of that kind of means like bath bombs and you know
1: it's kind of important to talk about the root of it and it kind of relating to specifically um the black panther party um a lot of members developed their idea of self-care as the times and things you do like to care for yourself to then be there to provide care to your community because they were doing things like providing food in their neighborhood um providing like the first free school lunches um doing a lot of like helping people who are at risk of being evicted who need places like that um
2: i didn't know that yeah i mean i knew the black panther party did all of those things i didn't know that the kind of root of this this modern idea of self-care came from there it's interesting right now i'm even more mad about all these white women posting about their fucking bath
1: bombs (laughs) right yeah now the um the modern idea that's trying to be commercialized of self-care as you know buy something for yourself
2: yeah i feel like it's being it's being repackaged as like less self-care and more of a way of numbing out you know like your boss treats you like shit and you hate your job well just take a bubble bath and eat chinese food well that's it's not actually gonna sure it's gonna make you feel better in the moment and that's very important but i don't know it just feels like we're kind of being sold this 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 idea and it just feels like a bit of a sham
1: yeah that's why a lot of times when i think about self-care for myself i think about the times that i am able to motivate myself to do whatever exercise i can make myself get through i can you know um the times that I'm willing to make myself like a nice meal that's actually good for me.
2: Yeah. It's me like scowling as I'm making dinner, like, oh, self-care. Yeah, <laughs> Instead right. Instead <laughs> of just ordering takeout again.
1: Uh-huh. M- me doing all of my dishes.
2: <laughs> Ooh, let's not go too crazy here. <laughs> I haven't got that far in my self-care journey yet.
1: <laughs> right.
2: I have a magnet in, uh, in my garage gym that says, heavy squats equals self-care. And it's a, it's a good reminder because sometimes heavy squats are self-care and sometimes skipping the heavy squats is self-care. It's kind of a, a nuanced thing. It right. requires, requires a lot of self-knowledge and self-experimentation too. I think it's totally okay to like skip a workout and then the next day be like, you know, I probably could have done that workout. Like that's, that's fine. And especially if you're someone who's newer to fitness in this journey, I think it's really easy to like overthink things like that sometimes we're like at the end of the day like tomorrow's a new day next week's a next you know it's a new week next month's a new month if this is something that you're committed to for the long term which you really should be then it doesn't matter if you skipped a workout that maybe you could have done or you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think like it's also the thing with self-care like as that being part of it um it's like sometimes you will just be able to find those times where you might have somewhat lied to yourself at some point, or just not known um, your own energy levels and patterns well enough where you might skip a workout thinking, okay, well this will give me, I'm going to skip this, but I'm going to have more energy for like other things I'm doing for people. So it'll be fine. And then you find that you skip that workout and then you still don't have (laughs) any extra energy. Um, uh, Like you said, that's just a lot of, figuring things out over time
2: yeah and that's that's totally that's totally okay if that's what happens like our bodies are not machines you know we can't like code the way they're supposed to react to things you can do all of the right things and still wake up tired of shit tomorrow you know like it's unfortunately not that simple so it's important to be able to have that kind of self-awareness and self-understanding and like self-forgiveness too. If you're constantly berating yourself and beating yourself up, it's it's gonna hold you back. You're not gonna enjoy the process. Like you're just gonna feel like shit all the time. Gotta be nice to yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> easier said than done.
1: Definitely easier said than done for most people. Um and I think like it's important to remember that knowing your limits and knowing to watch yourself and make sure you don't get too burnt out on anything is also an important part of community care because the care that you give to your community will wane if you're not taking proper care of yourself if you're not actually doing the things you need to do to recharge to be able to be there for them
2: that's true and that's not to say that every act of self-care needs to be so that we can continue to be of service to our communities we also deserve self-care just because we fucking deserve it just as people who exist like you deserve to have your needs met and be comfortable and happy and well rested and all of those good things for sure
1: yeah i think it's definitely important to remember that the things that we deserve are not rooted in the things that we do like they're just inherent that you deserve to be able to rest and recover from the way you live your life
2: Mm -hmm. Then you deserve to be able to skip a workout if you don't feel great and without needing to like feel guilty about that. And if you can feel confident that that is, you know, that is self care. It's not finding excuses or being lazy, it's it's listening to your body, it's taking your needs into consideration and doing what you need to be happy in the long term.
1: And yeah, I mean, almost always if you end up doing these things and just kind of letting yourself just not do them when you don't want to do them and be there for them when you do, you'll find that like your training as a whole, your experience will just get better.
2: Taking the pressure off, I find when I set myself like really hard rules or goals, like, okay, you're going to work out five times this week. I get to like day three and I'm like, Ugh, five is so many. I don't want to do five. And it becomes like way harder because I've set this kind of pressure on myself. So these days I, I try and like, aim a little bit lower a lot of the time I'm like okay you have five workouts but let's let's try for four like four is good like more often than not I end up getting five like taking the pressure and the shame out of the equation is often a really good way to actually get something done like when you give yourself permission to not do it or to fuck it up that's a big one for me I'm a perfectionist and I'm always scared of messing things up And sometimes it just gets to the point where I'm like, I can't even try something new because I'm so scared that I'm just going to be really bad at it. I'm going to mess it up. And so one of the reasons I started Olympic weightlifting is because I was really bad at it. And so I was like, well, I just feel like I need to change. And I'm really scared of doing this thing because I know that I'm bad at it. But why don't I just do something that I'm bad at for a while and just like give myself permission to fuck it up? And now I'm, I'm pretty good. I think I'm okay at it now. I mean, I just qualified for the American Open Series, so I can like go compete at the Arnold in March. That's like pretty cool. Um, so like it's it's cool to be bad at stuff. That should be my slogan.
1: Yeah, that should be. <laughs> it's a good banner to have a new gem.
2: Yeah. It's cool to suck.
1: It's cool to yeah. suck. Yeah. Sucker's rule. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah no I think that that's definitely like one of the just biggest keys to being able to learn and grow anything is letting yourself just kind of be bad at it for as long as you're bad at it, yes,
2: absolutely, and that counts for like learning a new skill or a new sport, but also if you're someone who's trying to get into a regular exercise routine and you're having trouble with consistency, like that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're lazy or whatever you're just you're learning something new, you're building something new, and it's okay to be bad at it. And like, you might be bad at it for weeks at a time, but if you keep trying and you stay curious and like, don't pile a bunch of shame on yourself, you're probably going to get better at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Being really negative about it and being really hard on yourself is just going to kind of like attach those negative feelings to that memory of the time that you didn't exercise. And then just going to kind of feed into that negative feeling about exercising in general.
2: Yeah. And it can really ruin things for us. I know a lot of people, myself included, who have like fairly negative opinions of like running. Running's a big one because it's someone that everyone always goes to when they're like, I'm going to lose weight. They're like, okay, I'm going to stop eating and go running every day for 10 hours. And so, so many people have this really negative association with running and we really don't like it running is awesome. Like running is like so freeing and fun, not for everyone, but like, <laughs> it really can be. And I feel like so many of us just have our relationship with it, like ruined because we have such negative associations and it's just common with exercise in general. Like so many people are traumatized from their, their PE classes or like, early attempts at weight loss when they went to a gym and were like screamed at by an instructor for an hour. You know, like so many people are just like, oh I don't like exercise. I don't want to do that. Like, or they're anxious about it because of these like horrible negative associations.
1: Yeah, I definitely I struggle a little bit with running. Um just not my favorite thing. Um I also
2: It's not for everyone.
1: I think I just struggle with remembering how I'm supposed to be breathing while I'm doing it.
2: (laughs) Breathing is very hard and not as intuitive as people will make it out to be.
1: (laughs) But there definitely have been times um, in my life where there were stints where I couldn't really do any sort of physical exercise whatsoever. And then some of the first things I did after feeling like I had a little bit more agency over my body at that point was go on some somewhat long runs for me, at least, and that was it's a really good feeling to be able to feel like you can run for a while
2: yes it's a great feeling and if you're someone who's had a tumultuous relationship with it and you're able to heal that and come back to it it can be really freeing i spent a lot of my teenage years getting up at 5am to go running like i just for silly reasons i wanted to go early so that no one would see me because i was like kind of embarrassed about it um and i just really didn't enjoy the experience it was purely just cuz like oh i have to burn calories and then i went through a period of doing a lot of obstacle course races and like Spartan races and that kind of thing and during that period i that was when i started working with an eating disorder therapist and kind of really getting into um learning about diet culture and moving more towards like um fat positivity and fat justice and kind of educating myself there and i just it it became, it became very, very difficult. It was the running and the OCR stuff. It was very difficult. And I, in the end I had to take a break. And I remember going on my last, the last run. And when I finished it, I was like, I don't have to fucking run again. Like I finished my last race and I was like, I don't have to do this. Like I can never go on a run ever again in my whole entire life if I don't have to. And that felt so liberating. And then like a few months later I had a fight with my roommate and I was like, fuck this. I'm going for a run and i went on a run and it was like the best run of my life like it was <laughs> just like everything i needed it felt so good it was so cathartic i just like ran off all my feelings and that was after saying i was never going to go for a run again but like i don't know like exercise can be so much more than just a tool to try and punish or change ourselves you know it can be such a good way of expressing stress and anger and all of those feelings that we hold inside so i want people to be able to like reclaim reclaim whatever movement feels good
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the ways that I think physical exercise relates to self care for me is less about the way that my body itself feels or, you know, building strength or anything like that, and more about my ability to process emotions and things that feel kind of clogged up
2: Mm
1: -hmm. when you're not just kind of moving more and using your body more. And I'll have like a really good workout, do like, you know, a little bit of running, a little bit of like body weight stuff, a little bit of grappling training, whatever, and just kind of feel myself burn through emotions that feel like they'd just been clogged in my body somewhere. Yes.
2: This this is a real thing. Um, it's called, it's called the, sh- the stress cycle and we kind of accumulate all of the stress and exercise is one of the ways that we can kind of End that cycle, like let those feelings go, and like ultimately return to our kind of homeostasis of being chill and chill and happy. It's a really <laughs> great book. I'm just googling it really quick so that I make sure I get the the author's name right. Uh, here it is. It's called Burnout: The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, and it is by Amelia and Emily Nagoski. They're twins. It's very very good. It taught me a lot about stress and just like little bit about trauma and just like how that all feels in the body, and how important it can be to have a release for that. So sometimes it's going for a run or lifting weights. Sometimes it's crying. Sometimes it's I don't know having sex or masturbating, having an orgasm. You know, there is like so many ways to to end that response. And yeah, I want I want exercise to be an option for people instead of everyone being so fucking traumatized by diet culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, and lately I've been learning a lot about trauma as well. I recently did um, a trauma-informed weightlifting course where we talked a lot about how trauma can show up in the body and how we as coaches and movement practitioners can kind of like hold space for our clients who come to us with those traumas and how we can create a more trauma, um, trauma-informed trauma environment and a more trauma-informed approach and also how specifically like heavy lifting and weight training, how it can be really healing for a lot of people who do have trauma. It's very interesting stuff.
1: Yeah. That's something I'm interested about in both strength training and in martial arts as well. That's been something that's uh, been very important to me in training different people and making sure that people that are coming in with trauma, not only are avoiding things that make them go back to that place of being traumatized, but also that I can help them work some of those things out as they come up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it creates this kind of, um, the safe compartment in which to almost like revisit or re-experience those feelings for some people.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's kind of where being a coach for someone becomes this very sort of personal thing when, you're helping someone kind of go through their trauma and the way that their body is responding to these stimuli.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and it, that's why it's so important that when you come to choose a coach, mm-hmm. especially if you are someone with a history of trauma, you choose someone who you really connect with. Like, they don't have to necessarily be the most experienced or have the most Instagram followers or like charge the most money. Like, they just really have to be someone who you connect with and. You feel that they see you for who you are and they understand what you're trying to do. And those are gonna be the people who are best able to support you. Absolutely. I like how much we both say absolutely. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: We both say it a lot.
1: (laughs) We absolutely do. (laughs) (laughs) We're just gonna pivot to our own podcast. That's the absolutely podcast.
2: (laughs) We should do it. (laughs) I don't know what we talk about. Just things that we absolutely like. Absolutely hate.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well. Thank you for being with us today on Pride Never Die. Um, Would you like to plug anything, um, either your Instagram or things like that where people might be able to follow you?
2: Sure. I am mostly just active on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is at steviesnatches. Yeah, mostly just over there. I'm actually fully booked for live clients, so that's in person and Zoom as of the recording of this in January 2020. 22. What year is it? Mm-hmm, yes, 22. Yep. <laughs> um, but I have space for online clients and remote clients. So folks who are interested in getting into weightlifting or powerlifting or just want to have a, uh, a structured program to to follow with some support from me, I have space for you. All right.
1: Again, thank you very much for stopping by and talking to me. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you for having me
1: and thank you everyone for listening to pride never die and thank you for supporting us here at the southpaw network um please you know go by the patreon um if you aren't already a member it's so much bonus content you get access to the discord which is a lovely community and it's the only way that we get funding to keep doing things like this thank you again and goodbye